All right. Sorry, y'all caught me with the with the silly face that time. I read something that really caught my attention, but we are back in it again. You are in it together with the Dunlaps. I am your co-host, Deontay. I'm Shakima. And we are the Dunlaps. We're Welcome. the Dunlaps. Which episode are we on now, my love? Woo! So we are at the big episode nine. Webby. Nine. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're doing it, though. One step at a time, one week at a time. That's it. it. That's it. Progress is the name of the game. I love it. All right, my love. Talk to us about today in social justice history. Um, this is another one of those. But when I saw it, I just... I don't know. You know, when I when I saw it, I was just like, I I would really love to be able to um, share things that don't break my heart all the time. Yeah. You know. And so that this is to me, I'm, I'm it gets heavy, you know, to consistently have to to read these kinds of things. But it's okay because this is who we are as a nation. Um, and tonight's episode is about you know subliminal the the things that lie just underneath the surface of our consciousness. And so all of these events that we talk about um, on our Today in History segment, those things all live in the subliminal of all of us in our consciousness as a nation, but it lives in the subliminality of like who we are as individuals. And so in that way, I feel like we have to, we're obliged, um, obligated to share these truths. And so um, today's date January 24th, in 1879, a Black family is lynched in Arkansas on suspicious of on suspicion, that's air quotes around the suspicion, of having a $50 bill. Not that they stole it, mm-hmm. that they, they just had a $50 bill. Mm-hmm. Do they have any other... <laughs> context to that not that any more context is needed it's like how did you mm-hmm. number one how did they were they in the store and just i'm gonna read it i'm gonna read it i'm gonna read it because I, I i just sometimes i pause because i'm like i know that i'm not the only one that's feeling a, a type of way yeah i'm trying oh. to wrap my head around that mm-hmm. like what yeah. yeah all right so um <laughs> On January 24th, 1879, a white mob in Clark County, Arkansas, and I'm also at Arkansas State University doing my doctorate, so that's why I kind of like, it's, it's not that strange, come to think of it, lynched a black man named Ben Daniels and his two sons. Earlier in the day, when Mr. Daniels tried to pay for something with a $50 bill, the white merchant assumed a black man could only have that much money if he had stolen it. The merchant called the police to report Mr. Daniels as a suspect in a local theft that had recently occurred. So you just took it upon yourself. And connected these dots mm-hmm. that probably you just took it upon yourself. To each other. To, first of all, to make assumptions about this man and then to just say, oh, somebody got robbed. So it had to be him. So that whole I'm going to call the police on you. Like, that's just that's so loaded, you know. But anyway, so um, a few days prior. A white farmer named R.M. Duff woke in the middle of the night to find his home and barn in flames. Mr. Duff later awakened, later claimed that someone had run into the home and stole money as Mr. Duff evacuated with his wife, but he was not able to provide any description of this person and no one was reported burned in the blaze. Without any evidence tying Mr. Daniels to the alleged theft, police responded to the merchant's call by promptly arresting Mr. Daniels solely based on his possession of a $50 bill. Police later claimed that while in custody on the day of arrest, Mr. Daniels confessed to stealing money from the Duff home and implicated his sons in the crime as well, that forced confession. During the era of racial terror, Black suspects were often subjected to beatings, torture, and threats of lynching during police interrogations. While news reports often reported these alleged confessions as justifications for the brutal terror lynchings that followed, the confession of a lynching victim was always... um, more reliable evidence of fear than guilt. The sheriff took Mr. Daniels' sons into custody that same day as well. Later that night, before the Daniels could be tried, a mob of white men who overpowered the sheriff, it's kind of like, I'm just gonna stand here and let them get you. Who was supposed to be guarding them and lynched all three men. Some sources indicated that the two sons lynched with Mr. Daniels were the only ones arrested, while other reports that a third son was also arrested, not lynched, and remained in jail awaiting trial. 
news reports did not include the sons, the sons names. During this era of racial terror lynchings, it was not uncommon for lynch mobs to seize their victims out of police hands. In some cases, police officials were even found to be complicit or active participants in the lynchings. While law enforcement officials were obligated to defend anyone in their custody, in most instances, as here, law enforcement failed to extend any protection to Black citizens or to take any action to arrest and prosecute the perpetrators of the lynchings. After hanging the Daniels men from a tree, the white mob left their bodies on display as a way to further terrorize the black community of Clark County, Arkansas. Between 1865 and, 1850, and 1950, more than 6,500 black men, women, and children were killed in racial terror lynchings throughout the U.S. with at least 492 reported lynchings in Arkansas alone. And that was Today in History, Clark County, Arkansas, 1879. And another one, you know, it's hard to find the words for some of these. I know that I say that just about every time, mm -hmm. um, but it's like from the, it, it's, it's like, almost, it's, you can't make this stuff up. It's, it's, you just, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. It's like, you identify this person with, you notice this person with money. So you automatically connect this person to something. I'm, I'm so glad that police detective work, you know, for what it's worth has evolved over time. I mean, I guess they set people up where, too, so. Where, you know, you're at least, you know, that, you know, talk about due process, like, you know, wasn't even given the benefit of anything, you know, um, and this whole context of, you know, overpowering, you know, sheriffs is like that, you know, how are you, if you could be overpowered by your community, how are you any service to your community? <laughs> right. How are you going to protect know? the server? You can't even protect yourself from them. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's abysmal when you think about it. It's like, how do you, you know, you know, wrap your head around it, you know, and, and as you was reading that, you know, it's like when certain wrongs have never been righted, when, when certain things have, you know, never really been addressed, you know, as far as being corrected, you know, all we generally, all we've gotten is like museums and things of that nature, you know, at the very least our story has been told, but when you think about some of the wrongs that have been righted in the past, yeah. You know, in relation, it's like, what makes these different? You know, um, I, I, you know, I, I, it's like, and our conversations are so like, um, uh, guilt laden. You know, just trying right. to shift it, right? That wasn't me. I didn't do it. And it's like, okay, but like the actual terror of racism continues right like this history of violence is not like it's still happening so chattel slavery itself but even if you were requ required to compensate for like the racial terror right that people have have been allowed to get away with like people are still alive who did lynchings and bombings and stuff like that and so I, again i you know i just wanted to um to take us there because we're talking about the truth, right? We're talking right. about the truth about who we are as individuals, but also our truth as a nation. And um, I know you mentioned something about museums, like that's kind of like the, we'll give you this little museum, but a lot of times we have to fight for that too, right? right. And so that brings me to also today in history, Arturo Schomburg was born in Puerto Rico. And so he's an Afro-Latino who created the Schomburg Center in um, Harlem. And y'all, if you've never been, that that's that's a bucket list type situation. Like you have to go. And I was actually, I didn't even know who he was until I was listening to something by um Dr. John Henry Clark. And he was talking about Schomburg and like his contributions to us as a people. Um, and so please, if you you can look at the Schomburg Center online, if you can't get there in person, they're consistently putting out quality educational resources they're consistently challenging us as a nation to like not only remember 
who we were, but to dream about who we can be. And it is just, um, he, he, he was, he, he wanted us to know who we were right. as a people, you know, before chattel slavery and even beyond. And so, yeah, today in history, January 24th, 1874 is the birthday. Of our yeah, you, you know, I'll say one thing and then I'll move on to technology today and technology history. You know, the one thing that, that always, you know, um, I think a lot of people miss sometimes, especially those who get defensive about this type of history, mm-hmm. is that, yes, yeah, slavery ended, but did it, you know, in the sense of the terror that it didn't, it may have that just maybe the practice of it, mm-hmm. but the, what came after, you know, the, the, it wasn't over you know, for, you know, the, the, the newly free, you know, um, people in bondage, the newly free slaves, you know, the newly free black people, you know, it didn't end there. You know, um, you went from being terrorized, you know, on the plantation to being, you know, terrorizing your communities, you know, you just no escape. And it's just, you know, sometimes it's, it's just really, really difficult to just, you know, chew on that truth sandwich you know it's 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 rough and i'm and i'm sure it's rough on whatever whatever side you're looking at even yeah, if nobody you, wants to be the bad guy but at the end no, of the day you know even even if you're from another country you mm-hmm. know and, and you read about some of these atrocities i'm sure that would also you know turn you know someone who who who's, who's not native to this land right i'm sure that would you know that would you know you know uh, rile something up in their spirit too so it's just you know, it's like reality is stranger than fiction is more brutal than fiction. You know, yeah. um, I, I think about, you know, some of the movies and, you know, some of like the horror flicks that we watch, some of the action movies that we watch and that you hear about some of this stuff in history. And you're just like, which one is more brutal? Like, well, is, I, is, that, is, that's <laughs> funny because I saw something Well, it's not funny, but I saw something on IG the other day and it was saying that, like, it's amazing how certain people are so fascinated by horror movies but they don't want to learn about black history because that's a real life horror movie you know what i mean like if you're that fascinated by horror just just read the truth i mean there was um a story that i posted and i'm gonna i'm gonna let you get to your um okay your technology no, piece no, no, take your thing do you think but i you know i posted something on my timeline the other day on, on my facebook page and um Denisha, one of our former guests, the one who's a math teacher in Dubai, she commented like, I never heard of this person. Thank you for posting. And it was some of the most grotesque. I just, and so um, I'm going to take a moment to kind of just talk about that situation and share it because I'm pretty sure there are lots of people who are under the sound of my voice who've never heard of this person. And so I want, um, yeah, I want people to know. And so this, um, this was about an enslaver named Thomas Thistlewood who raped 138 African women um, 3,852 times, and he documented each rape account in his diary. And this guy lived from um, 1721 to 1786. He was a British citizen who migrated to Western Jamaica, where he became a plantation overseer and owner of land, property, and slaves. His diary is considered an important historical document chronicling the history of Jamaica and slavery during the 18th century. He is also known for keeping a detailed account of the treatments of his slaves as well as his sexual relationships with them. And I, you know, sexual relationships, I don't, the relationship word seems wrong, but whatever. Um, he began his Caribbean life as an overseer of sugar plantations, primarily at a plantation named Egypt, ain't that something, owned by John Cope and William Dorville. The plantation was in Westmoreland Parish, where he oversaw numerous enslaved Africans and sugar production. During these years, Thistlewood gradually acquired enslaved Africans of his own, which he rented out to other planters. This is also where he met Fibba, an African woman he had a lifelong relationship with. Thistlewood never married, but had one son. The child's name was Mulatto John, okay? By Fibba, who was enslaved by his, empl- by his employer. Thistlewood eventually purchased her from Cope and lived with her at Breadnut Island. He called her his wife in the will that freed her. He never returned to England and died at Breadnut Island, Jamaica in November um, 1786. So even though he loved her, I guess, um, and I never saw that word in here, but he called her his wife, but he didn't free her until he died, right? She was his slave until 
his will. Um, and so this next part is about his brutality. So brace yourselves because this is kind of rough, okay? So accordingly, this would routinely punish his enslaved, enslaved people with fierce floggings and other cruel and gruesome punishments. One of his preferred punishments for runaway slaves was the Derby's dose, where an African would be beaten and then salt pickle, lime juice, and bird pepper would be rubbed into the open wounds. Then another enslaved African, now this is after the flogging and the pepper rubbing your wounds, Another enslaved African would be forced to defecate into the runaway's mouth, which would be, which would then be forced shut for various methods, including gagging for hours. Okay. His diary is known as the Diary of Thomas Thistlewood. Okay. And this 14,000 page diary provides a detailed record of his life and deep insight into plantation life from agricultural techniques to slave owner relations. Um, yeah. The, the darkness of the human heart man oh i just i don't i um yeah i don't i don't even have much to say about that i think that spoke for itself i mean that's just um that's just an abomination of a human being um and uh, and so all these things you know, regardless of how we pretend to see ourselves, right? All these things are a part subliminally of, of our truths, right? Like right. you cannot escape this stuff. And when I when I walk around this earth in this black body, when I walk around this earth in this woman's body, right? Um and I do believe in the Jungian principle of the collective unconscious. I really do. I do believe that there are things that and you know they found out since young that our dna does actually carry that trauma you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like that it is it marks us for life but i do believe that we still feel the pain of our ancestors and i do believe that we still carry that shame because i don't care who you are um having to defecate in somebody's mouth that would make me feel so much shame you know what i'm saying to, having to participate in somebody else's pain and then if you're the person who was the runaway, right? Like the fact that there's another person on this planet walking around that defecated in your mouth. You know what I'm saying? What, what kind of shame is attached to that? Like. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, you, you can't correct what you don't know. Mm -mm. You can't, you can't why they fix don't want us to know. what you don't know about, you know, and you know, it's like you say about, you know, the trauma, you know, um, coming through your DNA, but, you know, there's also the side of the, the, the victimizer, you know, their, you know, where they witnessed and where they're, what, mm -hmm. what they did, you know, got translated through DNA too. Cause there's some real you secret know. keepers out there, you know, so it's, it's, it goes both ways, you know, mm -hmm. so it's just, you know, some people who are some really cruel and nasty people, you know, that, mm. <sighs> All right, well, let's let's switch it up. A <laughs> let's, bit. let's let's change that channel. That is, um, <laughs> it, it is it is who we are. But you know, um, well, let's at least talk about you know who we are in, in terms of at least making life better on some level. I guess. Go ahead. All right, so let's talk about this day in history, in technology history. Okay, January twenty fourth, nineteen fifty. This is a good one. The microwave oven was patented. The original microwave oven patent was issued to Percy LeBaron Spencer under the title Method of Treating Foodstuffs. Five years earlier, Spencer accidentally discovered that microwave energy could heat food when a chocolate bar in his pocket melted while he was experimenting with the microwave tube. Microwave tubes were originally designed for radar systems interesting so he that's like radiation though right in your pocket right yeah he okay. apparently yeah apparently you know it's yeah maybe they didn't know about radiation poison at the time i would i would i doubt it that was marie curie though that was but she was before or, she got a whole you know, nobel prize for okay never mind what is microwave so i'm not i mean it's really low volumes of radio waves so but you know 
that that theory has been you know tested and revisited you know over time so but that so the microwave oven was patented this day in 1950 i thought that was pretty cool that's cool. um january 24th 1984 macintosh launched apple okay. computer inc launches the launches the microsoft the macintosh computer with a demonstration of the computer in front of 3000 people while the apple lisa was the first commercial computer with a graphical interface the macintosh would bring graphical computing and computing in general to they put this in the in the article the rest of us as apple's early slogan for the microsoft macintosh claim while not as commercially successful as Microsoft's DOS and later Windows, there's no doubt that the innovations of the Microsoft of, of the Macintosh put push the entire computing industry ahead and continue to do so to this day. Mm. So that's a good one. And then last but not least, January 24th, 1986, Voyager 2 flies by Uranus. The interplanetary probe Voyager 2 makes the first flyby of the planet Uranus. During its study of Uranus, it finds 10 previously undiscovered moons. So we got some microwaves, we got some computers, some space travel in there. So okay. a lot of things happened over time on January 24th. It was some some busy, it was a busy day across the across the span of years. So it's some interesting information. That's pretty dope. And right. um microwave changed the game forever it sure did it sure did because um, still to this to this day to this very day comes standard in every house every apartment you know so shout out to that family <laughs> they, are, they are living quite well i bet so i you know i i remember when we first got our microwave because I, yeah, I, I remember prior to that we did everything on everything had to be on the stove or in the oven you know like everything you did you know had to be on the stove or in the oven and i you know i remember cooking stuff i had no business cooking <laughs> i'll put it like that i i remember um we were just built different as kids than the kids now right yeah. like i remember my grandmother letting me cook stuff on the grill like I could light my own fire with the charcoal and the lighter fluid and the newspaper the bottom I was like 12 outside cooking on the grill wow I well, was cooking you... ribs on the grill at, at, at but but if I mean it listen in some countries girls are getting married at 12 so like a day, you know being raised by grandma that was a whole different experience and I remember frying french fries and hot grease and everything and I knew not to get burned because wasn't nobody gonna help right well, you know, so, grandma had that wisdom, you know, like, hey, if you teach them how to do it, they'll know how to do it. Is but also, teach them. Oh, yeah. fear, right? Because if the only thing you got is some turpentine for pain. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you mess around, get burned. Uh-huh. You, you knew not to get hurt. And I think that's the thing, like, uh, a copay, what is the copay? You know what I'm saying? Like, we knew not to get hurt because yeah. who was going to fix it? Ain't nobody you know, got time I, to take you to no hospital. Ain't nobody yeah, got no money. Put on that thing and walk it off. And so I think it was just that 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 fear of like but i do think we were just built different like we didn't have this we didn't have an expectation that we couldn't do certain things right like we were at home alone you know watching our siblings and i, I remember being like 10 and they would leave me at home with the, with babies you know like my cousins and stuff like that i would be like you know eight or nine or ten years old and i would be babysitting like a six-month-old and nobody thought anything of it and yeah. we made it yeah we are all over 30. So super we, super we responsible. It. Understand understand what it means. You know, think ahead. Like, if I do this, uh, I'm going to get in trouble. You That's know, it. if I don't do this, I'm going to get in trouble. That's you it. Know? You better take that chicken out the freezer. So you were taught to think ahead. You were mm -hmm. taught to think on your toes. You were taught to think about consequence. Because, um, you know, you couldn't just do what you wanted to do and then, you know, get what you expect to get, you know so yeah, i love it i love it actually and I, it it brings me to tonight's topic um you know again we're talking about uh subliminal and mm -hmm. it's a psychological adjective and subliminal just means existing or operating below the threshold of consciousness so being or employing stimuli insufficiently intense to produce a discrete sensation but often being or designed to be intense enough to influence the mental processes or the behavior of the individual so I don't necessarily need to see you immediately respond to it. Not like a bell ringing and then you start to salivate. 
but I do need to have it in your subconscious so that it's actually influencing your behavior without you even knowing it. Yep. Kind of, you know, kind of like a, a operating system or some um, some coding, you know, and you know, for you tech heads out there, you know, who who might not be quite getting it. It's your your operating system, you know. I love it. The I code it. behind the code, you know. And so, um, you know, we do this little today in history. We do those things and we talk about, you know, how we got that, here. But the, but the, but they're all they all have to do with like terror and violence and aggression right mm -hmm. and so all of those messages are subliminal in our unconscious right and we we, we still we're still losing people to police brutality in 2023 right but also we just had what the 34th mass shooting in this country and we're only on january 24th so you cannot build a nation on terror and violence I think that's what Brother Malcolm talked about, chickens coming home to roost, right? Like whatever you have sown is coming back, right? And so the foundation of this nation is greed, racism, violence, right? And when we see these things, we're like, I can't believe this happened. Like, why not? Why not? It's a part of our subliminal. Yep. We consistently put our children in front of violence. Like, I, I like blow up movies right most of my favorite movies are action when i right. go on demand i don't go to romance i go to action right i want to see some i want to see some killing spree you know like i don't want to see like a horror like a thriller but i do want to see like some make-believe yeah. bombs exploding you know right right where does that come from yeah it's it's one of those things where it's it's, it's like i mentioned earlier it's that 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 deep seated um carnal desire uh -huh. in in the human heart in the human spirit you know um is is rooted in fear you know um you know violence is unfortunately the 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 great i don't want to call it an equalizer but it's like the it's like the answer when there's no answer you know when there's no way when you when 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 all intellect leaves when all you know higher thought leaves that just leaves those base desires and you know um and it's either to eat reproduce or fight yeah you know and that's that's and and, and unfortunately the violence is the one that's most accessible to everyone that's the truth everybody understands violence which is you know um which is an unfortunate truth, you know, because mm -hmm. heck, even even children, you know, even we, you know, we we when we grow up, we think that going to, you know, and, and going that that literally hit on the person we like, you know, was a form of telling them we, you know, that that's how we ex expressed affection. It it yeah. was affection, but it was a violent form of affection, you know, um, and so it's like this really really base thing that you have to be taught actually not to do you know um and and i know as a as a as a as a martial artist that puts me in a really weird conundrum because it's something that is a serious part of my life but i dedicated my life to controlling that aspect of myself because i know that if left unchecked which we've seen if left unchecked you know violence is very pervasive you know violence can be become a everyday and 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 everyday well it is an everyday thing actually yeah yeah and, and you know and if you don't have that control over yourself you know how would you know you know when it's right to defend and and that kind when it's right to apply because i can't say that it's always wrong mm -hmm. you know because sometimes you have to defend yourself and sometimes the only way to defend yourself is to defend yourself in, in the kind of violence that's being perpetuated against you, whether it's physical violence, you know, verbal violence, yeah. psychological violence, you know, sometimes the only way out is the way, you know, is, is what's being forced on you. And, and so in kind of digressing back to the point of being a martial artist, you know, I, I, I took it upon myself to control that aspect, you know, because once somebody provokes you to violence, you know, you no longer, you're no longer in control they have control over you and over the 
outcome of that situation, you know? Um, and, and so that's, that was one of the primary reasons I dedicated myself to martial arts was to be able to a handle myself in a violent situation and b be able to control myself, you know, from becoming violent, you know, because I, you know, that's not something that I, um, I, I pride myself with, you know, I grew up around a lot of violence. I witnessed a lot of violence and it wasn't something that I enjoyed. And, and the, the truth be, you know, truth be told, even though I, I do enjoy my fair share of action movies, I don't like seeing it in person, personally, you know, um, especially outside of a controlled environment, like a martial arts tournament or, or, or a boxing match or something like that. Yeah. I don't think you I know, would like to see it in person either. You know, so it's, you know, that, that, you know, that, that notion of, you know, but that, but that, that, you know, kind of getting to that point of, of the, the, the subliminal mm-hmm. and it's American. You know, yeah. It's, it's, I wouldn't even say is that I think it's beyond that is, it's a people thing. Even, even the most peaceful people in the world got to be peaceful people because they have a history of violence. Yeah. But yeah. I, I guess I was, I guess I was thinking about the way we tell our history in this. Oh, nation. I got you. You know, like conquest and the wild, wild yeah, west. We glorify, we glorify, we glorify the violence. violence, right? Yeah. And it's just like we glorify, you know, that people came here by fo- by force, right? Regardless of where you got them from and how you got them, the people who came here didn't want to come here, right? Um, and so even if it even if there was an agreement between two parties, right? Like we catch them over here and sell them to you, and then you take them over, whatever the case may be. The people who were brought here did not agree to come here. And that's the bottom line. So you stole somebody, right? Because if that person didn't give you their consent to come, you kidnapped them. Yeah. It wouldn't matter if somebody else gave you the permission to, they, they didn't even have the autonomy over that person anyway. That's another human being, right? And so whatever this whole situation is that people are talking about, well, they, you know, they did this and they did that and that's how we got them. Who cares? Did the people who you took, did they consent? to coming over here if they didn't it's still kidnapping and then both of y'all are equally wrong you know but i but i do think that um we glorify that stuff like like i was just saying the other day we were watching maverick right the top gun movie and i was like i don't want to see val kilmer oh that's doc holiday <laughs> you know i'm just like in my head that's doc holiday i want to see him twirling that cup Right. I don't want to see him getting old. You know what I mean? That's Doc Holliday. He's your Huckleberry. Like that's in my head. He will always be that character. And so that's still a celebration of violence. He was a violent person. He killed people. Like he was, you know. And so I think, you know, even my one of my favorite movies is Gladiator, right? Like, are you not entertained? That was mm-hmm. a man fighting for his very existence, you know. But I somehow like liked, I'd like to see him win forgetting the fact that him winning was him also killing other people, you know, because mm-hmm. he had to kill him in order to get out. And so I just think that um, it's, it's, it's very American, the, uh, the obsession with blood and gore and um, the way we, I don't know, teach our children that at such an early age by the, the stuff that we show on television. And we teach them that it's okay to kill certain people you know, as long as that person doesn't look like you, or if that person doesn't think like you, they had it coming, you know, and so that's, I guess that's what I was saying about the, the subliminality of it all, um, that I'm so much of an American that even as a Black person, I get caught up in it, you know, I get caught up in it, and it's not until I see those American fantasies of violence enacted out on a Black person, like in real life, right, mm-hmm. not on TV, but in real life, like the young man that just got killed the other day, Ty, it's not until I see that happening in real life or somebody reminds me of Emmett Till or whatever the case may be, or, you know, we just passed King Holiday and I'm reminded that man was assassinated. You know, it's not until it like hits home for me that, yeah, like there's nothing glorious about this. That wasn't a movie. Those are real people. Yeah. And, you know, and, and as you were talking, I had a few, I had a few thoughts that, that came to mind and, you know, and, and, you know, I, I'm not sure which one begets the other, but mm. hear me out. Okay. We also have an obsession with dominance. Yep. We, as a species, we have we have an obsession with winners versus being a winner over being a loser. And when and what's the easiest way to dominate? 
you know, what's the easiest way to show that you have supremacy over some over, over someone or something. And that's generated through physical subjugation, which in turn, which never happens gently. You know, it's, it's always often sudden and violent. And so I think the note, the, 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 the need, the drive to, to, to be supreme, you know, cause you know, if supremacy meant survival, you know, su supremacy meant, you know, who hold, you know, who holds the land, supremacy, you know, reflects wealth. And these are all things that, you know, are held to esteem. And so, you know, like I said, I'm not sure which one begets the other one because the the notion of violence is to overcome. Yeah. It's not to, it's not necessary. Only in competition do you do it to see who's better. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about But if you know you're not better. Then you have to and again violence. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you know you're not better, then it's not survival of the fittest, as you say, it's survival of the cruelest. That, and, and sometimes fittest is who could be the most cruel, yeah. who can be the most depraved, who mm -hmm. could do the worst to each other, you know, to almost get the other one to just say, you know what, I, I can't go any deeper. I yeah, can't because go something in my humanity won't let me stoop to that level. Right. Right. And so um, I think that, you know, what we're what we're talking about is, you know, if. Um, if things have passed down to us subliminally, like you said, then things have passed down to the other end of the spectrum sub subliminally. And there is, just as we're striving to know more, to learn the truth, the other side must also be striving to deny it, yep. um, to hide it, right? To keep us from finding out the exact levels of depravity that were deployed in order to set this whole thing up, right? Um, because it's easy to say, well, that wasn't me, but you don't even know everything that happened. Like you just know a piece of it. Right. And no, you probably didn't own anybody, but like you are complicit in upholding a system that is brutally violent and hostile to people who don't look like you on a daily basis. Right. And so, you know, I put the link in the chat for those who are streaming live on our Facebook page. Um, the Thistlewood papers are actually at Yale University. And so I put the link, please go view them online for free, right? So the Thomas Thistlewood papers that I talked about earlier are at the uh, Banneke Library in their rare book collection at Yale, but you can see PDFs of all his writings. They're right there, right? And the description that I read to you is actually on the Yale website. So I didn't make that up just for reference. Um, but also, you know, I'm going to post something now in the chat about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and his decision to ban the College Board course about African-American studies. Stoker said, there's no, there's no educational value to students learning African-American history. So, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, you, you, you bring that piece up. Um, you know, I was thinking while you were talking, I was listening, while I was listening to you talk, you know, and you know how we were talking about the DNA that, um, how that trauma, whether it's trauma of victory, how that passes down through DNA, right? Mm -hmm. And you think about those who justify their actions, because I do think in all of us is, you know, both light and dark is both good and bad. And, and I mean, especially if you've been in this country for generations, you can't help but be both right. Like you. And, and I think about the, the people who made these decisions to do these, to commit these atrocities. And, you know, and the, the, the idea that you can hide from history mm -hmm. and, and so you can hide from your shame, you can hide from you know, that would make you feel bad because you can look at what you think is glorious and victorious, but you always have that voice in the back of your mind that reminds you of how you got there, That's how it. you, what, what you committed to get, you cannot say this was an honorable thing. And that's when you have, you know, that's when you, 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 you have this um, justification of the brutality, mm -hmm. you know, that's why, you know, um, that's why they go to such lengths to dehumanize to justify their actions so they don't have to feel bad until, that shame mm -hmm. yeah that shame that guilt until like you know years removed and but what they don't realize is that you know history you can't run from history 
and you know your shame will follow you you know um if you do shameful things you know you get shameful results and um be sure your sins will find you out mm -hmm. you know and and so i just you know and so thinking about you know what you're saying about you know um desantis and you know his um take on his it is a mess it's, I mean, it's, it's a college it's arrogant. class. Yeah. The level of arrogance, though, you know, as someone who's obviously not an educator, mm -hmm. someone who's obviously not in a position to say what has educational value or not to make this justification to, to, to not justification, but to make this type of statement. And, you know, you can have your opinion, but when you, you know, stand at the head of a whole state to say something so blatantly wrong that's it you know um is you know is 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 it's insane and and history now and speaking with history is going to be it's going to be interesting how history handles this particular individual given some of the things he might get a statue though touche he might get a statue and our grandkids well, with their flying cars will be riding past and saying oh he was a hero or they might I, have they I might don't, be i don't know I don't know. We we have a generation of young folks that are coming up that's not tolerant of some of these things. And I, and I have and I have faith in the young people. I have I faith in and who's going to take over the mantle. You know, um, I, I have my moments where I just shake my head, but I'm sure that generations before me, when I was coming up doing my thing, they looked at me and was like, Lord, what in the world? <laughs> what in the world and, is? But to be to fair, come? though, we did give back some of the gains that they made. They weren't wrong about us in a lot of ways. We did give them back because our comforts overwhelmed us so much that we forgot we were in a fight. And, and you to know, your point. And so, so I hope that I'm wrong, you know, like on a supremely wrong level. Um, but I just think that what I see the government doing, what I see the society doing, those in power, I see them um, continuously creating individuals and isolating us, putting us into silo, like almost like you don't even really need to interact with people face to face. You can do everything without even having to get close to somebody. But the danger of put doing everything online is that they have control over it. They can intercept any conversation. They can they can monitor every single thing you're going everywhere you everywhere you tread. They can they're already there because they they understand your algorithms. They understand like they're embedding the stuff in it, so they know what you're gonna do, you know. And so I feel like the reliance on AI is the part that scares me, right? Um, even in the classroom, like English teachers right now are trying to figure out like how do we teach English because they got chatbots that'll write a whole essay, right. put citations in it and everything, right? So like. How, like they're 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 trying to make us obsolete the only thing you can't do though here's the kicker is write poetry yeah because it takes a human <laughs> you know what i'm saying and so uh we we haven't gotten that far yet but i'm I'm glad that we're having this conversation though babe because um you know i, I was on a little bit of research today about how to find you know your truth and the first thing is awareness yep right and um the audacity in this country is like it's on buy one get one free at this point i mean people have there was um a an account that was on social media saying that um trans women were offended by aretha franklin's song natural woman and then that account that created it came back later and said we were just trolling, right? We were just trolling. None of the media contacted us to ask us if it was a troll. None of the media contacted us to ask us if it was true. They just took what we posted and ran with the story. And so people were like, so instead of you being accountable for what you put out there, you're now blaming the media for not checking with you before they rent, like you put it out there. So why would they need to come and check and say, are you sure you meant that? You put it out there? And so it's just, I, I, I see all these things and it's like the farthest thing from awareness. And so blocking things like African-American studies. Uh, yeah. And, and, but, but that's, but, you know, to your point, but that's why I say I have faith in this upcoming generation, because we, we do have 
the generation that's about inclusivity and these mm-hmm. this generation is about truth you know it's just like you know where you have um you know you know in the the, the southern cities where they're taking down some of these monuments yeah that that, that was the, the, the this upcoming generation they they're like no we you know they're choosing the truth they're choosing to have a truth that's reflective of what's they're, they're choosing to present the reality that's reflective of the actual truth because they can access and, it and and so you know i i have faith in the young folks i have faith that you know um they'll see through the facade and they'll demand truth you know because these are the ones that that run the internet these are the ones that know the ins and outs of it that don't know a time without the internet so yeah. they understand the internet on a profound level we 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 got to see it you know off the ground we got to see it when it first came you know came to fruition but you're talking about a generation of young people that this is all they know and they're building off of knowledge of people who've built a uh, an incredible, you know, understanding of the internet, and they take their un- that that past information and build new information on top of that. And I can see, you know, because I understand what you mean about you know learning algorithms and you know being able to intercept signals. But I also believe in you know the ethical hackers. I believe in in those who know how to circumvent and do the grassroots movements and and do though and, and, and galvanize those those numbers, you know, uh, behind a just a. a, a uh, a just cause, you know, so I, you know, I, I have hopes. I, 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 it's, 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 we live, we're in a really interesting time. You know, we are seeing a renaissance of, a renaissance of sorts, you know, especially in the realm of thought, you know, in the realm of individual thought in the realm of individuality as a whole, you know, um, you know, people are, you know, you know, people are becoming very, very different now. People are are seeing each other different. And that comes from seeing yourself different. Like you say, it starts with awareness. That's it. You start to see yourself as different. You start to see yourself as not just different, but who you truly are. Mm-hmm you know what you truly are and you and and people you know there there's a group of people who are tired of putting on facades and code switching they they want to be themselves they want to be themselves they want to be their you know that 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 word authenticity Mm -hmm. you know that we hold to such high esteem there 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 is a generation of people who want to be that who just don't want to talk about it they're about that action yeah. Like you, we hear you say the word. We you say all the syllables very eloquently, but do you actually believe in it? Do you actually live by those principles? Do you all actually show up authentic? And I think we're moving into uh, uh, we're moving into a time where, you know, the smoke screen is going to be obsolete. I love it. And 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 people are going and 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 this generation of young people are going to be like more like yeah right you know um prove it where's your information where's your data you know um because remember we all got access to the internet and you know just like one person can find information so can another and so i I think that now i think there will be a divide you know like in most cases Mm -hmm. you know you will have those who want to preserve you know what that was known what what is considered known history and then you're going to have those who want to be like no yeah we we don't we don't subscribe to that because i do think there is a remnant of people who are going to be genuinely disgusted by what mm-hmm. they find out. Right. Mm-hmm. And I hope that those people are vocal about restoration, right. About just acknowledging it in a way that can bring forth authentic healing, because this is, we still lie about being a Christian nation, but what is it that draws us close to God? Right. Like you, you, repent there has to be a turning right and so even if there's not the system of chattel slavery doesn't exist the systems that it created are still very much in place and we have not repented right Right. and so you know what i want to do is kind of talk about some things that i found about that authenticity space about being you know your authentic self and i want to i want to take it um a step further and talk about us as a nation, right? Like what can we do as a nation to find our truth and to live in it, to, to walk in it? And it's going to take everybody, right? Um, because right now only a certain type of people get to be authentic, right? And their authenticity is the measure for what everybody else must become. 
And that's just not, we can't do that. We just can't do that. And so the first thing to do is to make decisions based on love rather than fear. That's huge in this country, right? So like all of these systems that we have in place, most of them are based on fear. This The founding of this country is kind of like um, any other relationship, you know, like how you started is how it's going to end, right? So if you started with lies and deception and violence, then that's probably how it's going to end. We have a really great opportunity to, to shift courses, right? To repent, to turn from our wicked ways and actually do something different. But it's gotta be motivated by love for one another and love for this country even. Because we, if we keep going the path that we're on now, we won't exist, right? Every empire that has done the things that we, have, that we do has fallen. So this is a pivotal, this is like a really pivotal moment for us as a nation to choose love over fear. The next thing is to say no when we mean no and yes when we mean yes, right? We do a lot of subterfuge in this country, right? We'll say, oh, we do care, but then we'll do all these things behind it. Or it's like a like the shell game, like watch where to see where you can find the, and we're, the coconuts are just moving and everybody's like, what, what are you actually saying to me? right? So to start being true to our word, to the people who do their best every day and wake up and go to work and do whatever they do, to, you know, keep this thing going, we need the truth. We need to really understand what's happening to us and for us every day and the things that are working against us. And the next thing is to live according to our values. We got a preamble of the deck of, <laughs> listen, we got a Declaration of Independence. We got a preamble to the Constitution. We got all these things that we still haven't figured out how to do yet. We still haven't figured out how to do those things, right? And um, the home of the free, the land of the free and the home of the brave, like what? Who's free? Who's actually free in here? Because some of us are not free because of oppression that's on us. And some of us are not free because they're the oppressors. And it takes an equal amount of captivity to hold somebody down. You can't move either because you're making sure I can't move, right? right? Like if both of us are in bondage. And so the next thing is um, sourcing our sense of power and self-worth from within. We have so much to build off of in this country. We have so many things that are beautiful about this country, like the African-American story, as opposed to shaming it and pretending that it doesn't have any educational value. Listen, that is the ultimate comeback story because there's not a, there's not a nation in the world whose people have gone through the stuff that we went through in just that short period of time, but now we're still actually in it, who, who are as educated as we are, who were, you know, and I, and I hesitate to say thriving, but just look at where we've come so far. And it it's, you know, it, it seems contradictory because I know there are people who come here from other places and they're like, well, why aren't you farther? Well, because the stuff is still happening. Redlining is still happening. Voter disenfranchisement is still happening. Police murders are still happening. We're still in it, right? right. But it's the ultimate underdog story. There's so much beauty in, in, our, in our triumph. And um, yeah, the next one is prioritizing self-expression over the fear of judgment. You're going to be judged when you tell the truth. But that's a part of it. When you get to the place where you realize that I can't live this lie anymore and I don't care, right? I'm prepared for whatever comes after it. I feel like that's when we'll grow as a nation. Um, the next one, and this is huge, especially for people of color, because our spirituality has kept us in bondage in this nation a long time. And this one says, honoring your gut feelings and intuitions alongside the analytical thinking. If it walk like a duck, yeah. if it quack like a duck, it's a duck. And you can pray and hope and wish and plead with God for it to be something different. But trust your gut, right? When something says you're not safe, trust it. When something says mm -mm, that person's not on your team, don't trust it. We have to do that. Um, and those who are um, intuitive and those who are spiritual beings among, the, among us, those who are the empaths among us, we have to stop listening to that, that, that dominant voice that says those gifts don't matter. Yes, they do. Those gifts were put here to help heal 
the world. Those things are critical in us moving into our authentic selves as a nation and becoming who we proclaim to be. And the last one is seeing your thoughts and feelings and beliefs as temporary experiences, not who you are. So whatever that shame is that tempts you to silence other people's truth, whatever that, it's really just shame. Whatever that fear of, well, I'm thinking about all the stuff that I know that we did to them. So I'm really afraid, like if we take our foot off their necks, then they're going to do it back. If we were that kind of people, this country wouldn't even exist. Anything that we want to do, we would have already done it. And anything that we want to do, you can't stop it. So you've got to come from a place of trust and of faith and of love instead of fear. And that are those are my tips for how this nation can move beyond the subliminal fear to moving in love and authenticity and truth. Well, you know, I, I was in listening to um, your thoughts, you know, what you had to share, your your points. You know, I had a couple, you know, so there's a couple ideas spawned for me as well, you know, and, and listening to everything that you said, mm-hmm. you know, listening to all of your advice, you know, the one thing, the one underlying thing, the one underlying theme that came to mind for me in order to in order to move forward on any of this is going to require some sort of bravery it's going to require courage to to not only be vulnerable to face these things down to to want to know real history real truth um and not you know what you know one 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 person or another considers to be that you know and it's to be able to to see each other's humanity and to realize that hey this is your experience you know um and regardless of whether I agree or disagree, I can't take your experience from you because that's your lived experience. That's your history, regardless of what, you know, someone thinks about it. And, you know, we, we tend to, we tend to equate, you know, these things, you know, kind of, you know, tying back to the, you know, the, the theme earlier about violence, we tend to, to think that, you know, courage and bravery, it equates to your ability to be violent. Mm-hmm. or to accept violence or to participate in violence of some sort. And, and, and I think that it's actually the opposite. You know, I think it takes a gargantuan amount of courage to resist it, That's it. To, to resist the, the temptation of violence. It takes a, a, a gargantuan amount of courage to, to determine a different path um, and to, to, see, to seek more information, to seek truth, to, to accept the fact that you may or may not have the whole answer. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes courage to be willing to explore that. And I think that's, you know, we're in a constant exploration, you know, um, covering, you know, uncovering what someone's trying so desperately to hide because they're afraid of what for one reason or another of, of, of some truth being revealed to the world, you know, um, but it takes but again, it takes bravery, it takes courage to face down iniquities. It, it takes courage to face down, you know, what, what may have been some pretty uh, atrocious things. You know, um, we're very good at pointing out the atrocities of others, but not very good at reflecting on our own. And, and this this idea, this 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 um, unjust glorification sometimes, um, you know, of our and, and glorification and justification of the violence that we commit at times is is, is perplexing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to take a gargantuan amount of courage to, to change that train of thought. Is to 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 move from a, 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 a to get out of the mindset of winners versus of someone having to be a loser, someone having to be a winner, or someone having to be dominated, someone having to be subjugated, you know. Um, and you know, it, it, and we, you know, it's interesting. And I, and I'll wrap up my my final point. We talk a lot about, you know, I hear, you know, in, in my in the things I read, things I research, you know, we hear a lot about being different from the animals, being different from being supreme over the animal kingdom. You know, but one thing I understand is that there's usually an, an, an alpha and, and that alpha is selected, you know, based on, you know, um, you know, who who's worthy, you know, and you know, and once that truth is is set, you know, um, is is set, you know, and, and we we don't and, and, and while we, we, we try to separate ourselves from the animals, it's like, are we really that far? Mm-mm. 
we are we still trying to determine who's the alpha we we we'll tell each other that we're equals but then you know behind our back you 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 secretly want to be dominant you secretly want to dominate this person you know um and you know it's like you know how you know how far are we really really when 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 the when when our our base when our go to method is to dominate and to to have to be the winner to have to be the the to have to have a winner and a loser to have to have a a, a dominant and, and a recessive, uh, uh, you know, a dominant and a dominated, you know, um, you know, to have those fine, that those, that black and white world is like, you know, when, we, but it's going to take bravery, you know, courage to move away from that base thought, you know, to move away from being, you know, from, from, from to, to elevate ourselves further beyond animal kingdom and, and, and assert our true place, you know, on this earth and, and to really see each other as equals and, and not necessarily having to dominate another to feel better about ourselves. Cause at least in the animal kingdom, the alpha is chosen based on what that alpha can do for the group, the whole group, right? The whole, mm-hmm. group, Not just for themselves one or two people or mm-hmm. themselves, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's for the whole group, but now, but we, but in, in human, in, in human diaspora, we, we have, we, we dominate for ourselves. We dominate for, for selfish gain, not, not to, you know, not, not to, you know, not to help anything other than self, you know, so, you know, that's, that's the, that, that, that's the thing that separates us is, you know, the, the, the selfishness, you know, the greed, you know, um, the need to reign supreme, you know, um, so, you know, again, you know, it's being able to address that truth, being able to address that truth, you know, look that in the face and say, man, are we that far removed from them? No, we're not. Unfortunately. When, when I can look at somebody that look just like me and say, man, I got to dominate you, bro. Mm-hmm. I got to, I, I, can't I got to you, kill you because it's I, not going to be in the space you, for both of us. Yeah. I can't let you have one up on me. I can't let you be better than me. You know, it's not enough to say, let's work together and working together. We know that in numbers, we can do way more mm-hmm. than we can as individuals. But, you know, we still, you know, it's ego. Yeah. Yeah. edging God out you know and when you don't see God in another person when you edge God out you can't see nobody else other than yourself so because you become the God of your own world but I guess the biggest and, and that's what I would say I would say because if you can't see the divinity in another person then I, I doubt that you see divinity in yourself unless this God that you're seeking is a God of your creation as opposed to you being a creation of God's right mm-hmm. um because there's no way you can't see the divinity in other people if you are following the God who created everything, you know? So I think this was cool tonight. I, yeah. I, I like talking to you kind of smart. Yeah, I, I feel that way about you too. You kind know? of smart. You know, the intimate conversations, you know, we went in a little bit tonight, you know, but that's, yeah. not, but that, but that's, but that's what we, that's what we do. This that's what we do with the time lapse engaging conversation it ain't always comfortable it don't always feel good but it's conversation you know and that's why if we like I, I love um that we get to share these conversations with our with our listeners but like this is how we talk all the time yeah this is how we is, chop it up you know, this is how we talk all the time this these are like typical conversations for us you know um and so when we come on here this is just us like being vulnerable and sharing like our thought processes and how we this is how we sharpen each other you know mm-hmm. um there's so, a few more explicatives, you know. We, we drop a few more explicatives, but you know, it's a it's the, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll take it. I'm doing better in 2023. No more pandemic living. I'm going, I'm, I'm chasing after God with my whole heart <laughs> in 2023. All my bad habits, so I can't, I can't live like that anymore. But what I will say, um before we log off for tonight is we watched the most amazing film with Jonathan Majors in it, Devotion. Y'all, if you have not seen it, it was about Jesse Brown, the first um, black naval pilot. We're not going to like, spoiler alert, but please go watch it. Like that's, that's some black history. That's some real black history. And speaking of, I guess, semi-black history, um, cause it was definitely adapted from history, but the woman King, they didn't get any Oscar nominations at all. Oh, wow. People are upset about that. They got okay. not a single Oscar nomination, not for really Viola Davis, not for. That was a really good movie. Nothing. They got nothing, not for costumes, hair, nothing. 
Wow. Nothing. And people are like, oh, okay, so this is how y'all get down? See what the topic was, right? But Queen Mother, Angela Bassett, did get a nomination Let's for go. Wakanda Forever. So we respect that, but we also know when y'all shortchanged us too. We, we know. We know. Oh, yeah. We know. Um, so, yeah. So, babe, I thought we were going to talk about the funny name story. We, we didn't even get that far. We ran out of time. Maybe next time. Maybe on the Maybe next, next episode. Okay. Maybe on the next episode. I do kind of got to go feed you your dinner. Okay. Well, this has been episode nine. Subliminal. We hope that you enjoyed it. This is ended together with the Dunlaps. I'm Shakima Dunlap. And I'm Deontay Dunlap. We're the Dunlaps. We are the Dunlaps. And we will see you here again next week. 6 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on our Facebook Live page. As soon as we're done here on Facebook, we upload to Spotify or iHeartRadio or wherever you like to watch or listen to podcasts. We will see you next week. All right. Thanks, everybody.